A special thank you to the Seltzer family for sponsoring this evening. And they are sponsoring this year in honor of Yoni's Bar Mitzvah. His Boba Yom is coming up tomorrow evening in Ritz Hashem. It's very exciting, looking forward to celebrating together. And they're also sponsoring this year in honor of the yard site of the Chafetz Chaim. We should share in many simchas and learn lots of Torah together. Last week we had our first Vod introducing the basic theme of the Torah's Chaim project. We spoke about the feeling of life or the lack thereof, the pain of disconnect when we're not experiencing real chius, we're not living. We explained that the most intense joy is right now. Whenever we're able to focus in the moment with nothing else, distracting us, learning to taste and savor every bite of life, every nuance of Avodah Hashem, that brings the ultimate simcha. And we also spoke about the human need for emotion, not just we have a desire to be happy and feel satisfied, but we want to taste something. I'd rather taste something bitter than not taste at all. And I had this experience this past week. As I went through my first COVID run, and hopefully my last, which worked out very much of Hashkacha Pratis, being able to be here last week, and this is my first day out officially, I lost taste and smell over Shabbos. And if you're going to choose a time to lose taste and smell, you don't want it on Shabbos. So I, I was experimenting with it, and the kids were experimenting with it as well. And they put some spicy mustard on chicken to see if I could get a little bit of a tom of the spicy mustard, and I did. And that brought me great joy. But it's reinforcing this idea that feeling anything is, being, uh, is more satisfying, is more fulfilling than just being numb. We mentioned many things that are holding us back, and uh, we listed off a whole... Uh, a whole uh, slew of Hergol and Kotzeruach and Katnus Hamoachin and Tsar and Pachad. Mitzvah will tackle each one individually. And then we also mentioned that because we don't need to fight for our Avodah Hashem, for our identity as Jews, we begin to lose the strength, lose the desire, and lose even the belief that there's a need for fighting fighting for our lives, literally, fighting for Morchius. We ended up with the example of a log jam, where the goal to remove all of those trees that are blocking the river is through somehow removing the dam, letting the water gush forth, and through that force, through all of those hundreds of thousands of gallons of uh, spring, that would rise up the logs, allowing the water to flow freely. And that's very much the methodology of the Torah's Chaim project, trying to raise ourselves up to a different, a different way of viewing life, a different way of viewing challenges, becoming more familiar with our thought process, and through that being misromim, elevating ourselves above some of the challenges that we've been dealing with but at the same time not forgetting about the micro. 
looking very carefully with a keen eye at all of those individual barriers as well. We said that project has the connotation of collaboration, and I therefore wanted to share with you a very insightful email that I received a couple days after last week's VOD. Lichvod HaRav Light. Thank you so much for starting this new and exciting project. My wife and I listen to your shirim on Torah Anytime, a nice shameless plug for TorahAnytime.com. We've been listening for years now, and as a family, we're always looking for ways to improve our Avodah Hashem and our general awareness and appreciation of life. As I was listening to your beautiful and painful description of going through life unconsciously, by the way, the Rav was unaware, there was actually a movie made based on that story a while back called Awakenings. So I actually was aware, but thank you for letting me know. So he writes, as I was listening to your description of living unconsciously, I felt a hopeful sense of finally starting a project where I could, Be'ezras Hashem, make real progress closer to a meaningful relationship with Hashem and devote Hashem. But then I heard that nagging voice in the back of my head, perhaps my Yetzihara, or just a more pessimistic part of me, tell me, Come on, you've tried so many different programs in the past, and you've always thought that this time will be different and real change will come. Did it? Or are you pretty much the same person you've always been? What makes you think this time will be different? So that's what he describes as the nagging voice in the back of his head. What makes you think this time will be different? What would the Rav recommend to combat the cynic and critic within me? How do I stay hopeful when I've disappointed myself so many times in the past? Very insightful email, and I thank you very much for sharing it with me. How do I stay hopeful when I've disappointed myself so many times in the past? I think the first step is to realize that we're, we're in good company. There have been many outstanding personalities who have felt a similar way. They've tried working on themselves. They've accomplished a lot, but they still, looking back at their lives, felt that I could have done more, I could have been more. So I want to share with you one example of someone that we would look at from the outside perspective and say, wow, I can't imagine accomplishing anything close to what this man accomplished. And that's true. But as he shares his thoughts and feelings with us, and again, this is from the journal of the Eish Kodesh, the Piyazetzna Rebbe, and we'll be referencing this often because there are so many very penetrating insights into how we work and how we view our own progress in the Vodas Hashem. He shares the same feelings of, of despair that we received in the email. Baruch Hashem nechnasni kevar b'shnas arboim limechayai. Baruch Hashem, I've entered the 40th year of my life. And in a few months, I'll be 40 years old. 
He says, I stand here on the threshold of this, this uh, momentous time, and I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of how many years I may have left, because ultimately we're here, we live, and we die. What I am afraid of, though, is looking back at the past four decades and feeling that I've lived beshiflus vekatnus. I've been, I've been lowly. I haven't been expansive in my avodas Hashem. And am I so certain that right now things will be different? There have been so many different periods in my life where I felt a sense of inspiration, I was encouraged to change, and then, what would happen in the end? Just like snow melts when the sun comes out, so too my hopes and aspirations would melt away. He shares with us that before my bar mitzvah and before my wedding, I had a feeling of yirav is chazkus. Vamarti oz, and I said to myself, Kvar muhrachani meatalios evid neman lashem. Now, from now on, I'm going to be a trustworthy evid to Hashem. Parenthetically, it's pretty impressive to have that inner conversation with yourself when you're 12 years old. Yoni? <laughs> right? It's pretty chashuv. And how do I know that now, as I'm turning 40, maybe it's the same thing. I'm inspired by this milestone in my life, but maybe I won't change. Just like in the past, will be the same thing now. So we're all in good company if we doubt ourselves and we ask what's really going to be different this time than all previous attempts. However, writes the Eis Kodesh, But I will not despair. I will use every fiber of my being to accept upon myself to try to create this everlasting bond between me and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But then he says, what should I be makabel? What should I accept upon myself? Now this next line is probably something that we can't say. He says, should I learn more Torah? Baruch Hashem, I already learned as much as I possibly can. I can't fathom carving out any other time of the week. I'm maxed out. Should I work more on my disconnection from physicality? And again, he says, if I'm not fooling myself, if I'm being honest, I'm, I'm so past that. I'm 40 years old now. These things mean nothing to me. So what do I want? What do I want to change? So he says, Ma chaserli, what am I lacking? Poshet lios Yehudi chaserli. I'm just lacking something very simple, which is lios Yehudi, just to be a Jew. Domani be'enai kitsuras adam mitsuyeres. I almost look at myself like a picture of a human being. Everything looks right externally. Rak achas chaserah, but there's only one thing lacking, haneshama chaserah. I feel like my neshama is lacking. 
And therefore he concludes, I want right now to convert. I want to become a new human being. From now on, I want to be a Jew. And he concludes with a tefillah. He says, Hashem, bring me close to you. Bring me inside into your heichel. That was the tefillah of the Eish Kodesh. So I think to address the question, how do we know that things will be different now? We've been inspired before. The answer is, that's a very healthy skepticism. But the response to that skepticism is like the Eish Kodesh told us, of al no is ayesh, I will not despair. Whatever has taken place in the past means absolutely nothing to where I am right now. If now I could attach on to something, I could work on my avodas Hashem in a more genuine way, so then I have to try. The fact that in the past maybe I wasn't as successful as I would have liked to have been, that means nothing. But part of his response was also a tefillah. We have to daven. And this might be one of the most important ingredients in our, at least beginning the journey together, without that yesod of tefillah, without that fundamental factor of turning to Hashem and asking, I want you to bring me close. I want you to enable me to enhance my amuna and my bitachon and my ava and my devekus, my love and acceptance of other human beings. The tefillah is one of the most fundamental aspects in our growth towards Hashem. I think besides the healthy skepticism, there's also a need for us to have a working definition of success when it comes to the endeavor of growing. We all speak about growth. But how do I know if I've actually done that? In the secular world, we have very tangible, very concrete objectives. And if you don't meet it, right, the company at this point in the year needs to be grossing $50 million. And if we're not, we failed. And if we are, we're doing well. Are you in the black? Are you in the red? Very simple and straightforward. How do I evaluate my progress? When it comes to elevating ourselves in Ruchnius, it's almost impossible to have a concrete way of measuring our Hatzlacha. I want to share with you something so powerful from the altar of Kelm, Reb Simcha Zisel. The altar of Kelm says that when we learn Musr, we do anything where we're expressing that desire to come close to Hashem, and we're able to tap into the Hargasha. Again, we see that the Eish Kodesh and the altar of Slabatka coming from very different worldviews. One was from the world of Chasidus, one is from the world of Musr, but with the same agenda, not just to be living life in a numb, callous way, cold and disconnected, but to really tap in and develop a feeling, an emotion. So says the altar of Kelm, if through my learning, through my, my spending time in, in my Vodas Hashem, I feel something, I feel a yearning, I feel a desire, 
even if that doesn't bring me to do anything different in my life, that itself was an accomplishment. Now hopefully, with the right perspective, we'll do many things different. It will have a powerful impact in our behavior, on our relationships, on our tefillah. But the altar of Kelm is being mechadesh, he's teaching us that even if it doesn't change my behavior, just getting to the point where I have this deep-rooted yearning to come closer to Hashem, that means I was matzliach, that means I was successful. So to look back in the past, I think as a, as a deeper response to the email, maybe some of the goals I had, I, I, I haven't yet accomplished. But the fact that I had goals, the fact that I wanted to improve, that itself is tremendous hatzlacha in the Vodas Hashem. I remember a few years back, there was a fellow who was, he was bemoaning the fact that he picked up his entire family and they left to Eretz Yisrael. And they did so because they were inspired and they thought they found a community where they would fit in and a school that would be a close enough fit for the children. They left everything in America, friends, family, and they went really with a sense of bitachem. They felt it was the right thing to do at the time, and it made sense. They were shol eitzah. They get to Eretz Yisrael, and nisoyon after nisoyon, Parnassah isn't working out. He thought he could somehow keep his job in America. The whole thing fell apart. His kids weren't accepted into one school. They went to a different school, which was not at all a good fit for them culturally. And their kids were miserable. And his wife had no friends. And they kept on pushing and trying and different eitzahs and speaking to people. Eventually, three years later, they came back to the States penniless, and very depressed. He looks me in the eye and he says, why did I do this? What, what a waste of life. What a waste of a career. I have to come back here and start all over again at my age? So I shared with him, I asked him the question, why did you leave in the first place? What were you thinking? which is a strange thing to ask someone if you're trying to give a nachama, right? What were you thinking? So he said, because I thought we would be able to grow as a family. We had, we had this dream forever to move to Eretz Yisrael. And the pictures, everything seemed so ideal. So I said, so the reason why you uprooted everything and you risked your parnasa and you did something that was far from Pasha, most people would not do, is for what reason? Because you wanted to come closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Right, so basically, you put everything on the line, doing something that was very risky, you were Shoal Eitzah, it wasn't irresponsible. You move your whole family to Eretz Yisrael, and three years later you're back here, penniless, with nothing to say, except... That when you stand before the Boreolam Lachermeya Esrim, this is going to be one very impressive card you could pull out of your, your pocket. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I moved to Eretz Yisrael. Why did you do that? 
because I wanted to come closer to you, and I failed miserably. But that's not called failing miserably. If the whole point as to why we're here in Olam Hazel, for the few years that we are, the point is to be mishtadel, is to try to attempt to come closer to a Kaddish Baruch Hu, then that was not a failure. That was a nisoyon. That was definitely a form of suffering the family endured. But it wasn't a failure. That was a massive success. So I think another way of responding to this particular email is we have to expand our definition of what Hatzlacha actually is. But Rav Simcha Bunim used to tell the following story often to young Hasidim. We're going to make it somewhat more contemporary. Instead of using places like Krakow and Leipzig, let's choose Kansas City and uh, Washington, D.C. A guy living in a trailer park in Kansas City has a dream. And he gets the dream over and over again that if you travel to Washington, D.C., on the front lawn of the White House, you dig for treasure right there about 10 feet in, you will find millions, hundreds of millions of dollars just for you. Use it for yourself, use it for your family, use it for Kalal Yisrael. And he wakes up. And he goes back to sleep. And he has the same dream two or three nights in a row. Eventually he says, you know what, there's got to be something here. So he makes his way from Kansas City to Washington, D.C., and he's standing now outside the White House. How do you get onto the lawn of the White House? The short answer is you don't. So you have a few CIA agents around and other police officers, and he's there for a few days just walking back and forth, looking around. Where could this treasure be? After being there for a while, one of the uh, police officers turns to the guy. His last name was Goldberg. And he said, can I ask you a question? Y you look a little suspicious. Our job is to watch out for people like you. And you're walking back and forth in front of the White House. W what are you doing here? Can I help you? And not knowing what to say, not knowing what to respond, he says, I'll tell you the truth. This is going to sound really silly. And he shares with him his dream. And the guy starts laughing. You travel all the way from Kansas City to stand here at the lawn of the White House because you think you're going to find some kind of magical treasure? Man, I feel bad for you. I also have strange dreams. I had a dream recently that there's some guy named Goldberg who lives in Kansas City, and there's a massive treasure right under his, uh, his living room. Am I traveling to Kansas City for that treasure? Of course not. I don't know why you would come here. So upon hearing that, Goldberg goes back home, takes off the wooden planks of his floor, and there he finds hundreds of millions of dollars. Reb Simcha Bunim used to tell this story to illustrate the following point. We're always looking outside of ourselves. We're always, we're always trying to attach, to, to connect with something else, thinking that I'll find greatness if I go over here. I'll really maximize potential if I do this, if I become that. When in reality, the greatness is within us. 
This is probably one of the most fundamental, important hashkafos when it comes to elevating ourselves as human beings and enhancing our avodas Hashem. We're not looking for anything external. All of those lofty ideas, avas Hashem and devekus, avas reim, yiras Hashem, everything is within me. All of those holy, pure midos of menuchas ha-nefesh and chesed and hatava, a desire to give, an infinite love. I don't have to find that. I don't have to create that. I don't have to look for that elsewhere. All of that is within me already. Don't have to travel to Washington, D.C. It's right here at home, meaning within the neshama, within the makeup of the human being. This, according to many, is actually the deeper understanding of the Pasuk we're going to read on Shabbos. Not only is it an Eitan Katz song that's beautiful, but it's actually a, a Pasuk and Parshas Nitzavim as well. You don't have to look in the Shemayim. You don't have to go across the sea. It's so close to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Meaning to say, it's within me. I don't have to go anywhere else. I have to somehow discover that, that potential within me. And therefore, a large part of our avoda, the work that we have ahead of us, is not so much acquiring or creating, but it's more discovering and digging deep and breaking mechitzos that are barriers between the person I am now and the person that I can and will be. Because we're trying to keep these sessions to 30 minutes, that makes it really, really hard. <laughs> but I want to therefore jump to an exercise for this week. I think something that will help us discover a little bit of that inherent greatness within ourselves. And at the same time, it's probably a pretty, uh, pretty Kadai thing to do before Rosh Hashanah. If all of that magic, all of that Kedusha, all of those beautiful Midos are already inside of me, how do I get there? I have to have a clear picture of the person that I can be. The odds of us knowing who that person is at this stage of our life, the odds are pretty slim. The best we can do is think of the person I'm, I'm within reach of right now. Not a person I need to create or to change myself into, but to discover. Right, if you have those Russian dolls, we have a picture of the Russian dolls on the top of page 7. So you take off a layer, you have the next layer, and you get all the way down to that little, little Russian doll in the middle. I'm not sure where this whole thing comes from. Perhaps it's some form of a Vodazara. I don't know. But it's a cute marshal. If you take that outermost Russian doll, the big babushka, and have her imagine what that little one looks like inside, it, it's too far away. The most we can do is, let's picture that next level right underneath this one. Says the Eish Kodesh also in his diary, and this is the exercise I'd like to try this week in Ritz Hashem. 
He says, if you want to grow in your avodas Hashem, you want to elevate yourself, every year you have to have a picture, you have to have a clear vision of who you want to be. Not the person to change myself into, but the person to discover within me. Try to describe that person. Write down, what does he do? How does he behave? Give a detailed description of him or her, their basic seder hayom, their schedule for the day, how they deal with certain challenges that presently I have a hard time with right now. Basically, the exercise is, and this requires taking some time and some thought, but any real progress requires some time and some thought, is to sit down with a pen and paper or fingers on a keyboard and write down just a couple of paragraphs of the person that I want to be. Not about changing any particular thing, but just focusing on the broader vision of the person that I can be. It's got to be realistic, but it's still something that I have to reach for. So for me to write down, my goal is to wake up in the morning and have a full head of hair. So that's not going to happen. However, if we could think of something that's realistic, what am I doing? How am I benching? How am I interacting with my children? What am I doing when they come home from school? How do I respond at work when my coworker says X, Y, and Z? To write down a paragraph or two describing that person that I know I can be, that I know I already am. And once we get there, at least we have a vision, then we could start asking more of the penetrating questions. What can my next step be to become more like the person that I know I really am? So, Mitzvah Shem, we're going to leave off for now. The words of the Eish Kodesh, we've tried many things before, but na al isya eish, I will not despair. And at the same time, whatever I've done before, the fact I've wanted to accomplish, that itself is success. To realize that we're not trying to create something new or find something external. It's right within me. I just have to dig a little bit deeper. The way to do that, practically speaking, is sit down, pen and paper, write a description of who is that person I feel I can be within the near future. Shkoyach.